Serious TV Drama Podcast. I'm Scott. Joining me once again to talk TV. Well, first, we have a face painter who would make Seinfeld's putty even greener with envy. It's Jamie. Hey, Jamie. <laughs> hey, Scott. It has been a long time. <laughs> Smartass. And then the dude who puts the true blue into Kentucky blue grass. It's Brian. <laughs> hey, Brian. <laughs> hey, Scott. Hey, Jamie. It's good to see you all again. <laughs> It has been a minute. It's been a, it, literally a minute. You know, when you watch like certain late night talk shows, and they claim it's a Friday show, but we it's kind of well known in the biz. No, they actually record back to back on Thursday, so they're pretending it's Friday. But they always make references to make it clear they know it's not Friday. Yeah, so that's yes. <laughs> although, uh, although at the end of the previous podcast that was recorded, it sounded like, you know, days later, we're going to get back together to record another one about three. It's actually enough time for people to either pee or get a, get a drink. <laughs> and if it's a it, go to craft service, call our agent. And if, and if that took days, then, you know, that, that's, uh, that's a problem. That, one more health issue. <laughs> anyway, as promised, we are back to talk about three more shows. Shows that perhaps are a bit higher on the geek scale than the last time we chatted. Now, the thing about this episode, I have to admit, technically, this podcast should have been covering all three of these shows episode by episode in at least a couple cases. But lack of time plus my health issues squashed any hope of that. Hopefully, we can make up for it with our, uh, with our, what do you call it? Our summary judgments and observations tonight. I'm getting all legal, like like the Mister. Mm. Uh, so if you're retired, but, but you still you can still call yourself a lawyer, even though you're not, you're just not practicing. Well, yeah, I'm I, I'm just not practicing where I was before. Got it. Uh, I'm current. I'm currently on a sabbatical a from sab- the legal practice. A sabbatical, okay. You know, you know like uh, Jimmy McGill. Oh, I know he's in prison, so no. All right, <laughs> <laughs> not yet. All right, so let's start this one off with the one series. It literally is the one series that all three of us have seen, which means somebody's going to go bye-bye at some point in the podcast. It'll be me. See, I didn't. I was trying to decide if we should, if you should do this, do like an Irish goodbye, and you just disappear and start reference, <laughs> which I fall feel back down the fall down the well. I used to fall down all the time. <laughs> I'm falling down the well. I told, wow, that's a that's a callback. I, I had a hard problem remembering. Well, no, well, we have had experience of people who are on the podcast who suddenly just disappear for the whole podcast, but they never actually left. Anyway, no, we are here to talk about Gen V. Gen V, the creators of Gen V are, and these are creators that have been mentioned on this podcast before because we're talking about Eric Kripke, Evan Goldberg, and Craig Rosenberg, um, i.e., the the folks behind the boys. My feeling on this, when I started watching it, it was kind of like, hey, okay, what if the people behind the boys took what could be a CW series, then they just soaked it in the satire, sex, and squirty, squishy blood of the boys universe? <laughs> what would that series look like? 
You know what it would look like? It would look an awful lot like Gen V. And I got to say, I was a little skeptical, maybe a little apprehensive when the ser- going into the series. I have to admit, as we went, as you, as it, pro- as it progressed episode by episode, it felt more and more locked in. It got more compelling. And I'm, I am not going to go with some people out there. Ugh, fucking people. Um, who are, who have to already go to, oh, it's, it's already, it's better than the boys. Stop, stop yourselves. Stop yourselves. I don't want to say it's quite on par with that yet, but it's easily one of the better spinoffs I've seen in some time. So, Jamie, you and I nor- normally would cover the boys for this podcast, as we've done before, and yeah. and I think those are really some of our more fun, best podcasts. Um, there was a certain point when I was watching this, I was going, oh, God damn it, we should have done this. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, it's, it's, a few times, a few times. Yeah. So I'll, I'll throw it to you because that way I'm leaving it wide open. And I'm almost remembering how much I talked about the first show on our previous podcast. So I, I want to want to give it a bit more airspace to you two for this one. Yeah. Um, listen, this, this show has uh, teeny tiny people wrapped around giant penises. And there's a, like a literal puppet bloodbath. And it's surprisingly great. <laughs> like, you can't tell somebody, hey, these things are in there and be like, but it's really, really good. <laughs> like, but it is. It, it is. The cast is, I, I have no issues with anyone in the cast. I have some people in the cast I really love, like a Lindsay Broadway's Cricket. She's great. She's so much fun to watch. Um, I was surprised to see a Schwarzenegger kid. I didn't know he was going to be in there briefly. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if he'll come back in in the second season or not, but I'm assuming there's many ways they could do that. Uh, but it was really fun to get to visit God, you and uh, see all of the horrible things that are happening there and kind of jump into a world that's, you know, it's familiar, but it's new, but then also it's sort of like, Xavier and Magneto and the mutants and there's just there's so much lore in all of this it's I don't know if you love if you love the boys I don't know how you wouldn't love this I just I don't think that's possible yeah I uh, I thought it was uh, surprisingly good um, I not that I had like the lowest of expectations but uh you know, there's a certain trepidation with any spinoff that that I think this surpasses. Um, the the cast is likable uh, fairly quickly. The the core group that we come to get to know throughout the course of the story, um, you know, for younger people, all all good actors. Um, I thought for me, um, since Jamie said it, Lizzie Broadway was the standout to me. Uh, so much so that I almost thought the Marie Moreau character was outshined uh, a little bit. Yeah, I, I thought. I, not, I'm not saying she's a bad actor. I'm not criticizing her performance. I just thought she was so-so, and I thought some of the other actors were better. Uh, and being the lead, uh, you know, she probably had some more straight stuff to play than the others too. To be fair, but I really loved Cricket. Um, I love that 
you know, her power and, and, uh, was so self-destructive. Um, and there's, you know, the reveal later that maybe there's another way for her to find her power. That's not as self-destructive. Um, I like the, the, you know, the brother's story, you know, the good brother, the quote, bad brother, and and what we learn that maybe what's good isn't good, and maybe what's bad is to, has, has been made bad. And uh, the the woods, the idea of the woods. I thought some of the imagery. I don't know if you all thought this, but I thought the imagery when they would go to the woods, you know, in the basement, and they would have those big pictures up. It made me think of Jeremy by Pearl Jam, like the the great visuals in that video by Mark Pellington. You know, where the, you know, they, yeah. he would use those huge photographs of, of like the woods and wolves and stuff sort of made me think of that, which is a very, was a very college time in my life. That was, you know, um, many, many years ago. Um, I like how it weaved its way in and out of the boy's world. You know, we get Soldier Boy. Uh, we get a nice, and <laughs> at the end, we get a great, uh, you know, reveal where Homelander shows up um, and does his typical Homelander thing. He's not going to ever be happy if someone punches a blonde girl, blonde white girl. He's not going to like that. Homelander's not. Uh, I really liked the villain in this. Uh, I like the the doctor in the woods, uh, uh, Indira. I thought they told her story in a way that you like her, then you turn on her and then they tie it back to the plane with home. I thought that was a really nice touch. Yes. Yes. That her family was on that plane that we saw Homelander destroy and, and the boys I thought that was a, a really, really nice touch. There was some surprising uh, moments where we get, you know, the, the, the older superhero and his son where he, you know, he sort of sees his dad as a fraud because he's kissing the butt of the, of the school. I love the tech not character. Uh, I love the idea of everybody being ranked on campus. I mean, the (laughs) satire of that, like no matter, like whatever you do, like you might go up or down in rankings. And the idea is to make the top (laughs) 10 on campus. Like, that's such a social media TikTok driven idea. I thought the writing was really smart uh, and funny. It it took chances, like like you said. I mean, we've seen some pretty crazy stuff on the boys and in this world. Um, you know, cricket, cricket standing beside a a penis, and and, and the guy asking <laughs> asking, is it big? I mean, like. Like how big is it? Like, I mean, that was that was some crazy ass shit, but but it was funny. Um, but the heart of the show, you know, what these kids go through, the trauma, uh, leaving some unanswered questions. I love the ending. You know, like it cuts to black after Homelander, and they're in. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna say, I assume like a space station, maybe. Like they're up yeah. in the atmosphere. Like maybe that's where they are. Uh, and we don't know how, we don't know what's going on. Uh, so obviously it's open for a season two. Uh, really, really, really enjoyed it. We saw 
the crossover of the sort of media consultant woman who's there in the boardroom and all the shit hits the fan on the school. <laughs> and what I really liked and and is the idea we've all had that idea like what if the good guys turn on you and that's one of the you know central conceits of the boys is what if a whole school you know turns uh and what what i we saw the beginnings of uh, uh in this was these kids powers are used in a certain way but there are other even more impressive ways they could be used that the kids don't know. Like, you know, the idea of if, if you can, if you can use blood or control blood, you don't have to cut yourself and, you know, make whips. You can listen for heartbeats. You can explode heads. You can do things differently than what you thought. And, and obviously all of them uh, in some way or another, we see their backstories that they're, you know, that, that the dark side of having a superpower. Um, so I, I thought this far exceeded my expectations. I started watching it because I was interested and I thought maybe it'd be silly and campy and a little less serious than it turned out to be. I thought it was well done. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. And for a cast that, I barely knew most of. I've probably seen them somewhere or another, but for a cast mostly of unheralded um, actors, I thought they pulled it off, and I look forward to season two. Um, <clears throat> what I thought was interesting from the get-go, or what I was trying to figure out, actually, I should, let me start it this way. When I start watching the show, and early on, my first thing I was trying to figure out was I was trying to figure out when it was taking place. And then at a certain point I realized, Oh, this is taking place immediately or virtually right after the last season of the boys. It's actually, it feels like it's actually a bridge to the next season of the boys. I mean, there's yeah. a number of things that tell you this. I mean, the thing that kind of made me, made me certain is when you see soldier boy in that one, in that one episode, and when they're going through uh, Kate's memories and so on, and one of them makes a reference to what what happened to Soldier Boy at the end of season uh, three, was it season three, season three uh, of the boys, whatever. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, all right, now. And and there were other hints that that probably also gave that away as well. But that was the one that like cinched it for me, um, almost to the point where I started to wonder, especially when we got to the final scene and everything, or scenes, I should say, is how much is all of this if at all, going to play into the boys season four or, or is it going to be kept as a completely separate entity storyline, even though we saw both Homelander uh, show up at the end and do what he did, as you say, doing what Homelander does. And also we see Billy Butcher showing up and then in the final moment and reacting to, um, I, I guess it looked like he, he was checking out the, what was left of the woods or something like that when he opened yeah. the door. Um, and the fact is throughout the series, there were other characters from the boys who played a part in it, whether it be, you know, the, 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 the 
the, the covert CIA like lady who has the meeting with Shetty early on and is aghast at her wanting to basically do a superhero genocide kind of a thing, which is when we find out about the airplane connection. By the way, that is one of my favorite reveals in the entire series. I was like, Oh, that's so smart. They're going, cause that was many for folks like me. I was already really enjoying that series at that time, but that was like the first thing that made me go, oh, I'll be cursing this podcast. Holy fuck. I mean, <laughs> and one might say, really? The guy running through the girl and exploding her didn't do that for you? It's like, well, you know. Anyway. <laughs> um, so I, I find it interesting because it's not just in the same universe, but you you have these storylines and, it's it'll almost be weird if it doesn't play a factor, but I know there's a fear of what what if the people who watched the boys, what if some of them decided they weren't going to bother watching Gen V, then they'll kind of kind of be kind of be lost, and that's going to piss off some of those viewers. It's kind of like people who watched The Mandalorian but didn't want to watch or gave up on Book of Boba Fett, not knowing, hey, guess what? There's going to be like two or three episodes, which are basically The Mandalorian. No, I don't know what the hell they're doing there. Um. So I, I really liked the way they kind of interwove those two together and both using certain characters from that series, like the person from, from, from the, as you re- referred to her as the media consultant, who hasn't she become like the second in charge or the person in charge? Like she only answers is the home. Is that what her character's name is? Annie? I, I, I should remember and I can't, I, I leave it to. Yeah. Did she, did she take over for Elizabeth Shue? Maybe uh, at the oh yeah Elizabeth well Elizabeth you know got got fried a long time ago right so. I think she took over for her as a CEO so I may be well, I think yeah, she, I think, yeah I think I'm wrong they there, even, yeah. yeah they even got rid of I mean even Giancarlo Stanton's character is yeah gone, so I think she's the last remaining higher up there or she's the elevator. survivor she's the cockroach exactly exactly <laughs> exactly um, and even bringing back the mo- the the schmucky movie director guy as a fucking teacher <laughs> I thought was like oh of course it's him and of course he's using his own <laughs> shitty movie to illustrate all the shit <laughs> to teach yeah <laughs> of course he is um. I do also agree about as far as the performers are concerned, specifically more the, the younger performers. Um, well, first, you got, I mean, you got Chance Perdomo in this guy who plays Andre. He's been popping up in things. We, we watched him in, you know, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. So we already know him from that. There's another show he was on. I, which I, which I'm drawing a blank on because I didn't, I didn't make a note of it, but I know I've seen him in a show in between those two because I'm like, Oh, it's that guy from Sabrina. So here he is again. Um, you know, I haven't. I didn't look up his age. The only my only problem I had, like, he feels like he's older to me. I don't. I mean, if it turns out he actually is seventeen or eighteen, okay, he's a very old seventeen or eighteen. Cause yeah, because he, he looks he looks more like twenty seven, ah, twenty eight. But I could be wrong. Interesting. He was born on October nineteenth. That's my birthday. Uh, in nineteen ninety six. Ninety six. So four, twenty three. Oh, 27. What did I just freaking say? (laughs) (laughs) Take that, Witherspoon. Anyway, so... uh, (laughs) He's getting his doctorate, okay? (laughs) (laughs) But, um, and yes, uh, Lizzie Broadway does, you know, she is kind of a a kind of a big, bright, shining light in this, um, especially since there's a lot of dour and darkness in the show to begin with. And even though when we find out more about her and what her character does, and I, that affected me watching it. I'll just leave it at that. Um, you can, 
Um, but as a result, her storyline for me was like a very meaningful and interesting one for me to follow. Look, Jess and Claire, Mary, who plays Maria Moreau, here's the thing. When you're going to be the lead, and which means you are probably outside of whatever your power is, and her power is kind of, you know, as, has been as referenced throughout the show, kind of gross, uh, <laughs> you know, but you're basically, you're in a way, even though it's not a comedy, but there are comedic things that you're playing straight man to everyone else. And as a result, quite often you can end up being the most seemingly, or not seemingly, just honestly, the most boring character. You know, you're the Ted on How I Met Your Mother. Ted's the most boring character on How I Met Your Mother. And you can go down the list. So it's almost, well, if you're a performer, you know, it's like, yay, I get to be the lead. I get the most lines. But I also am sort of the most uninteresting person of them, whatever. Her origin is fascinating and horrifically tragic. But even so, it's not... but it's not that actress. It's her as a younger actress who we see all that happen with. Um, it's, you know, but it, it's just, it, it's it just, it, you know, it's just the way it is. I mean, where the, what the, the benefit with the boys is, well, I, I believe, um, Jack Quaid's character is the main character on the boys. Some people can try to say it's, yeah. It's become butcher. It's like, well, he gets some big storylines, but Quaid's the, st- but that works because up until he got with the compound V, he was us. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he, and he's the one being introduced to this world of not just of superheroes and those who are trying to take them down. And Quaid is a very interesting and quirky performer himself. Yeah. Um, and, and very appealing as well. Um, and she, and, you know, this character on the show just quite doesn't have that kind of feel to her. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's a little, kind of goes to my, when people were saying, oh, it's already better than, but it's like, no, because I can tell you right now, it doesn't have a strong lead and that's a problem. You know, it's got, it's got some interesting supporting characters, you know, as it should, and that's why it's so enjoyable, but you can't put it on this. It'd be like watching better call Saul after the first season and already saying it's better than breaking bad. Like "Mm, give it five more seasons before you even start saying that. Not, 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 not after one, but yeah, I would definitely not say it's better than the boys. I would say that maybe where some people are coming from on that is that there are a lot more characters that you want to root for in this than there is in the boys. Uh, I think people have bonded to these kids more than our characters and the boys. And therefore that's maybe where they like it more. Um, I almost see them as equals, but like you said, I need a few more seasons before I can suss that out. I'm, I'm, mm, I, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to push back on that a little bit. Uh, I think, well, first of all, you've you've got Quaid's character from the get go, so you already you you you, yes. you you start right off. That's a character you're rooting for, and again, yep. it's always interesting when you take a character that you're that okay. This is a character I want to follow that I'm quote unquote rooting for. I don't want to get into likability because that I, I that that's a, that's a false flag argument to me. I, I hate it, um, and the fact that there are things he does that kind of can bother you that you disagree with that kind of almost want almost try to shake you off a little bit there but yet over by the end of the day you still end up sticking with him there's other characters who we might have had a bit of a eh, 
you're a bit too anti-anti-hero for me, Billy. But then as this as the show progressed and we see and we learn more of his origins and it's played by the same performer, which helps. You know, it's not like a kid playing him or something. And we start you know, like, oh, you know, I think I'm kind of rooting for Billy now. And I wasn't, I don't know if I necessarily was that before, you know? And then you have uh, the side Like, we, we've we loved Frenchie from the get-go on The Boys. Frenchie. And Frenchie's exactly amazing. And he's got, and, and then him and with the, 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 oh, I can't remember. Bad. What's her name? The, the Asian girl who, the, that, that he's uh, kind of obsessed with can't think of the character's name i apologize we haven't done the boys in a while i apologize everybody but that that's such a it's but it's something so kind of it's it's a weird bit of sweetness in a very sour show so it's kind of like so i just feel like there's there's a lot there i think going to kind of what you were saying is the pro what i think masks that and i actually it's an accent that i use that word but it's kind of appropriate because i'm talking about the the superheroes we find out pretty quickly, like, oh, this show's all about all these superheroes, and we pretty much hate all of them. <laughs> They're pretty much all <laughs> horrible people. I mean, we we kind of grow to, like, say, like, Queen Maeve when we realize that she's not really as big a part of this as, say, a Homelander is, or as these right. characters were. But outside of Starlight, most people that we encounter with powers, which is supposed to be the basis of the show, that, see, if you want to say that the um, Gen V gives us more characters to root for, which I find, I'm, I'm, I'm find debatable about that the boys gives us more characters to root against <laughs> and, yes. and it goes back to a conversation you jamie you and i have had this conversation about a certain reality tv show all the time give me villains give me villains yeah. you know i say that about all things there there's a reason why most actors would prefer play the villain they're more interesting they get the best lines it's just it's just a fact it's right. the nature of it uh, i i I think why some people though may like Gen Z, Gen V, and I'm I'm not endorsing it. I, I like the boys better. I think to touch on your argument is to say there are superheroes with hope. Yes, in Gen yes. V. It's, yeah, it's they a less they aren't dirty world. yet. Yeah, they're not they're not corrupted yet. Right, and we see the journey, you know, uh, of. Uh, What's his name? Voltage or polarity? Polarity, yeah. You know his dad. Like you know, he sees the journey he could go on to be that corrupted, right, sort of person. So th- there's more hope in, in these characters, and this is a less bleak world until you get into the woods, and that's where it takes the turn that the kids get the wool pulled out from under their out from their eyes right. and they get to see the world as it is. But, uh, the boys I think is, is the world as it is that these are kids seeing the world for what it could be. Right. Uh, but, but, the, but I think the boys has a more compelling cast. Right. Overall. And also to go along with the, uh, the idea of, the character because they're younger and maybe they're more idealistic in some cases or or naive in other cases whatever but it is interesting to note that but when we get to once we start to get to the later episodes especially and then the final episode um, a lot of that is kind of turned on its head when some characters that might have been among those that we were rooting for or thought were turn out to be not what we thought they were and some characters that we might have felt 
bad for we're rooting for and we're thus quote unquote I keep using the phrase rooting for I hate that I keep saying that now um turn out to be kind of fucked I mean we knew they were fucked up in one way but they're no right. they're they're pretty they're 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 more than just that and it's like to the point where like like kind of think I need to see that character killed at this point because all he's doing is maiming and murdering everybody and they're not puppets anymore by the way I would I would always lead with endorsing a show and telling you about the puppet thing. Have you not seen the final season of Angel People? You know, with the you know that's one of the most brilliant episodes in the Joss Whedon universe, for God's sake. Um, and plus, it's got television's Jason Ritter. <laughs> the fact that he kept saying television's yes. Jason Ritter. Yeah. That's what made that great. Not that he kept saying Jason Ritter, television's Jason Ritter. And who's apparently hanging out with a, a puppet of the deep, which is ridiculous. It's even more ridiculous. It's not just that's just some random puppet. It's the deep puppet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's, look, there's a lot to enjoy with this show. I really, and I definitely did. Like I said, I am curious um, if any of it, if there's any tie-ins back when we get to the next season of The Boys. I I kind of suspect there won't be, because if they, if they want this to be a continuing series onto itself. But then you have this weird little issue where, okay, this season one clearly takes place, you know, shortly after the events of season three of The Boys. Well, we know the next thing in the pipeline is going to be season four of The Boys. Now, are we going to pick this show back up? Are we going to go as far as the universe, the, the Boys universe is concerned? I don't. I wish there was a better way to say that. Quite frankly, uh, are we going to therefore go back in time to pick up with them? Are we going to are we are we going to are we going to have the amount of time that takes place in The Boys happen? So they're going to be trapped in that room for whatever weeks, months. I don't know. I'm just. I'm curious. I'm really, and I, I think yeah. I, I'm, I love when writers and creators come up with something, which when the, you, either you paint yourself into a box one way or you create a pro a complication another way. And I think that's a complication, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty positive. They have it all mapped out. Cause obviously season four of the boys is our, I believe that's already been written and it's probably the only thing that's been holding up has been all the strikes. So it probably, I don't know at what stage it was in. I mean, I, it was originally supposed to be coming out, in late 2023, yep. I yep. really don't think that's going to happen anymore because of what because of everything. So my guess is that it probably had gone into production and probably stopped somewhere along the line. I've not looked up anything about it. They usually keep these things somewhat hush hush, but I assume we'll just see it in 2024, and maybe we'll see the next season of this. I don't know. It might be 2025. And the only risk you have there is, I mean, I guess they're, I think they're all in their fucking twenties, quite frankly, let's be honest. So maybe they won't look yeah. much different, uh, which is probably why you cast people in their twenties. <laughs> yeah. It's probably why you cast it as a, yeah. as a college yeah. show too. Right. And not, you know, not, not, not high younger, school, but, not high school. Right. Yeah. But, uh, I, touched on what you said, it's a pretty bold move to bring Bill, Billy Butcher in, in the last scene and then ignore that. I'm not saying that means they won't. I mean, I'd almost have respect for them that they did that and then and then completely ignore it. Like, like either way, I either way they can play it. But they obviously left the door open by by bringing him in. And when they had the after credit scene, um, you know, they met in typical satire fashion for a superhero movie. 
they have an after credit scene. It's not a villain. It's not a superhero. It's the human guy in it all. And, you know, and he gets to say our favorite expletive that he always says. Uh, I mean, they give the people what they want. Like in the, you know, if, if you're a boys fan, right. you get you get to see it. So I, I thought I thought that was it, it was like. I wondered, who is it? And then when it was over, I was like, I didn't learn anything. And I'm somehow not underwhelmed. I was still surprised. And it was really cool. Right. Doesn't he? Hey, Jamie, doesn't the. Uh... Wouldn't, would Billy still have a little bit of that compound V running in his veins? He, do you think he still has any residual power left, or you think did it, I, does it fade over I time? Would, I don't remember how they established what they're going to do with that. I think that there probably is. Um, more importantly, <laughs> I think that he is. What what we do know from watching this series is there's a virus. It takes down soups, and now Billy knows about it. Hmm. And then at the very end of this, we get Homelander in the most menacing to me that he's ever been. Like, something about him showing up at that school the way he did after we just spent all this time with these kids, and then this guy comes in. And for the first time ever, I've always seen him as a villain and went, oh, my God, I can't believe he's doing the crap he does. But for the first time ever, I was like, oh, shit. And so the last five minutes of this whole series, to me, just completely opened the floodgates for season four. I thought it was brilliant. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's no denying Homeland. <laughs> Homelander is a villain. <laughs> He's about as. <laughs> yes, and, yes, absolutely. And I actually was reading somewhere. It's kind of a sad, weird state of affairs that there are people in this world, or especially in this country, apparently, who think of him as a heroic character. And oh, I'm sure. And it's hard. And it's one of those things that's kind of horrifying the more you think about it. But I don't want to go. Right. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But but, like, but there is sense. an interesting wrinkle there. Okay. You know, think about Billy's kid. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. We, we still, yeah. yeah we, well, that's that's a major boy storyline that we're waiting right? to see where that's going to go. Um, when last we left, what uh, could the virus mean? Even though, you know, he could kill all the soups, but he yep. could lose his kid. I'm just, it's, it's, it, I'm just curious because the implication was when. The doctor um, Cardosa go and has that meeting with uh, the, the the senator that we know from the boys' universe, um, who basically the powers that she has are basically the powers that Moreau has and just doesn't realize it till now that she yes. can do these things. Oh, by the way, how does a guy survive having his penis explode? Because last I checked, that that pretty much should kill you. You I mean the the blood loss alone would? I mean. What? Are you kidding me? I mean, okay. maybe it's different when it's in mid-illusion. Oh, like. <laughs> that must be it. Because I was like, no, no, he's just going out. Wait, wait, no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. He, he does he have other powers that I wasn't aware of? Is is he invincible? By the way, invincible back. Um, <laughs> just wondering. Um, where where I, I know I just sidetracked myself. Oh, so when he was when the doctor was meeting with her. The impression I had, and I thought he said it, that what he brought her 
that was the remaining sample of said yes. virus. So there shouldn't be any virus left if what he said was true, because that's why he was brought it to her, and she, you know, did what she did, whatever. Now does she now re, does she take it or does she destroy it? Does she just take it? She just takes it. I never see yeah. it. I never saw so it. So she has it. So she has. She has it. Interesting. She has the virus, that would, but technically, therefore, would kill her because she is. Hmm. And I keep wanting to say meta, but that's not what they call it on the show, is it? Right? Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, I feel like there was something else I really wanted. Oh, okay. Once again, love seeing Clancy Brown and anything was sad that. Yeah. Oh wait, that's all we get. That's it. That's it. I mean, he does pop up in flashbacks throughout, whatever. But uh, I kind of. I always am I'm always down to see more Clancy Brown, you know. And, you know, like you said, it was fun seeing him in on a, on when I was watching do my binge of billions a few weeks ago. Speaking of billions, which we talked about in the previous podcast, um so I'm watching this episode of this show, um one week the one with uh, Tech Knight. Yeah. I love love the idea of that character. Love the sh- love this fake the fake TV show they created for him. I was like, oh, I I, I would I would totally watch that show. I, well, of course, whatever. <laughs> um, but I'm watching like going, so I'm watching that, and then I was then I got back to uh, Billions, and there was an episode I think it was in the same week, and at the end, um, kind of like the rug is pulled out. From an uh, from one character, I don't want to spoil anything because we're not talking about Blaze on this podcast. And this character shows up out of nowhere that you weren't expecting, you, that you had never actually met in the flesh before. And we find that you know this character you know exists still alive, whatever. But and I went, wait a minute, wait a second, and it's the same actor. I'm like, oh, I just that's so weird. This random actor I just saw him like two. You couldn't be more different than each other shows. And I think it was like I watched. That might have been the same day. I don't know if it was or not, because Billions would be come out on Fridays for me on on demand, and this show came out on Friday, so it might have been the same day. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> is he is he going to read their mind? <laughs> no, anyway, just so I throw that in there. Uh, I, I, there's probably other things I would have loved to have said, but I can't really think of anything else. I'll just say, uh, like I said from the get go. The show, I found the show far more appealing than I was expecting to. Uh, maybe it's because I, I tend to, like I say on my 80s movie podcast, I tend to be kind of anti-things with younger people. So, <laughs> but maybe because they weren't so young, it didn't bother me. So, there you go. Um, and I am really looking forward to seeing where they go with this. Uh, I, I loved all the, the, the satire and the, the, the slight, the very slight political commentary. Um, I even dug the rating system, which kind of, I know there's a social media kind of nod. It's also kind of a Hunger Games kind of feel to it. Also, yeah. how people are rated and, and and rise and fall and that kind of a thing, which I kind of got a kick out of. Um, good series, good stuff. Yeah. You know, see, we we didn't need absolutely. No, we didn't need see. We act, turns out we didn't need to do you no know, eight podcasts about it. We were able to cover it all in whatever thirty five minutes. There you go. We're so much better at this <laughs> than we used to be. You know what we'll do when when the boys comes out now. Now we have a now we now now we have a, a we have to do like five minute podcast. <laughs> so basically, I'll just do the introduction. I'll let you talk because if I don't talk, that maybe we might get it. <laughs> we might make it a five minute podcast. And they'll be like, "See ya." I'll get like a Michael K. recording. You know, and, and Jamie, you can't filibuster with a four second hello. You have to you have to <laughs> say hello right away. 
right that oh my second. God, it's it's like it's like the intro to the eighties podcast where I've told everyone who's gonna, who's a co-host, we're on video. I'm not going to say your name. I'm going to point to you, and right and the minute I do, the second I do that, you say your name. And how many have I done of that? Twelve, thirteen of them, eleven of them. There's like this weird, awkward pause, and I'm like, they're they're not on mute. They're just like. It's registering slowly. They're all smart people, but it's like some oh. of us have to remember our own name. It's okay. Goddamn Witherspoons. Anyway. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 Inside joke from previous pod. Can you go listen to that one? Alrighty then. So at this point. I think we are going to move on to the next series. And I think that means something sad and tragic for the podcast. Yeah, I'm going to head on out. I am not caught up on either of these. I don't want the spoilers. So, boys, my boys, it's been fun. It's been a good time. I'm glad we got to have a chat or two. And uh, until next time. I'm so glad we had this time together. Just <laughs> yeah, me too, Jamie. I was gonna, I was gonna do the whole Carol Burnett thing. Anyway, <laughs> it, it was it was it was great to see you and hear you and have a good night. Yeah, go get ready to do Survivor later this week and uh, try to explain away how bad. The, oh wait, that, you did that already. Those horrible results of those last two tribal councils, horrible, horrible. You bet, horrible. you bet. I got this. I got this, guys. See you. Got this. <laughs> All right. Adios. Adios. And as we watch her freeze and blink, and blink out of existence, just like Jamie always used to, we will now move on to the next series on the docket, a series that season one, me and uh, Daniel actually covered. And I think we covered pretty damn well, if I recall. And really I don't, well. I, don't, I would say, actually, be, um, with all kidding aside, that uh, among the podcasts I think that we really handled really well and Dan was, you know, very par- par- participated uh, very well on, and I did my deep research, and we were, maybe because we're both comic book fans, and he's a Marvel guy, so it kind of stoked him, so it kept his interest and engagement in there, were WandaVision and Loki. I think those were, I think we really did a good job with those. He was actually. super plugged in on Loki. Oh, yeah, and, and plus, we were going, because he knows the character, and we were going on about certain other characters who may or may not show up, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and then, and then we would kept making references to things we said in WandaVision, because it's like, yep. well, I guess Morphe, um, the, 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 that, that Mephisto's going to show up any time now. <laughs> the go-to is Mephisto. Yes, we're going to talk about Loki. Loki, Loki, which was created by Michael Waldrum, who people know really from the Rick and Morty series. And he also went from Loki and did the uh, the Doctor Strange Multitude of Madness movie, which um, I feel gets a bit more flack than it deserves, but... But that's that's neither here nor there. We're not here to talk about Doctor Strange. Once again, we are here to talk about Loki, um, and which just finished. So we're actually talking about something fresh, piping hot for a change. Actually, morning show is also fresh. But anyway, um, I'll start this way. I love season one of Loki. I don't even understand. Apparently, there are some people out there who didn't like it that much. Whatever. I don't understand those people. I, I, I thought Loki was so well done, so well crafted, told such a good story in, in a relatively short number of episodes. Um, 
you can't say anything negative about the performers across the board, da, 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 all, all the way through. This season, let me say right from the get-go, let me just say, <laughs> <laughs> I like the season. There's a lot to like about it. And we, we'll probably talk more about the final episode and everything more so than anything else, I'm, I'm sure. Um, I, However, I, I, I can't not say... I like season one more. There's a certain frantic pace to the second season, which again, based on the kind of storyline that it is, especially when you're again, in my sweet spot, time travel, da, 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 you know, I'm going to go crazy for that shit. You know, it's almost necessary, but it come, I guess because season one was so much about, there's a lot of shit going on, but you had lots of room for character development especially for Loki, a character who had already been established in multiple movies, but they were going to take him in a totally different direction here. And they had, and they had a lot of time to do that, but also the characters play by, you know, either be B 15 or, or Mobius or, or even Renslayer and, and so on and so forth. You know, we really spent some time. And then, and then when, um, Oh, what's her name? Uh, da, 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 da. Sylvie comes into, comes into the mix. That's another really interesting, different kind of a character. And this season, I guess on one end you could say, "Well, they've already established these people, and now we're just gonna now we're just gonna run them through." If if for, if season one is about character and premise, this is just fast forwarding plot. This is you know this, this escalating you know at a at a frantic pace you know episode to episode, which is fun. It's just, but when you step back, it's just it doesn't. It's not as satisfying to watch, and you get, and again, and, and while it's fun to write, I, I guess, whatever, there's a lot of babbledy, babbledy, gobbledy gook throughout these episodes. And while you had that in season one, it seemed to be parsed out a bit more on the edges, about, you know, like just giving us an explanation of the TVA and some stuff in, like in the early episode, and then some here or there. This, it's every episode. It's every ep. I mean, you bring in, <laughs> you bring in what's his name? Um, uh, Kehoi Kwan is OB, you know, and, and then you realize, okay, between everything, everywhere, all at once and this, it's like, okay, you are now become, you're going to be the go to guy for this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Because that's pretty much your function here is just, you're going to spot the, you're going to spot all the stuff, which is, you know, it's basically like like half of every Star Trek episode. It's like, okay, none of this really means anything. We're just waiting to get to the next thing, whatever. So it, it is kind of it, it does take away from it, I suppose. I think what makes it still work is it, it's the it, Hiddleston makes this season work more than he had to in season one. This feels it's more it's more on his shoulders for, for a lot of it. Because he's the really got to be the the, the 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 pushing force throughout these episodes, and thankfully he's a talented enough actor, a charismatic enough char- character and actor, and that I think is what makes it work and would still make me recommend and like this season. I'm just gonna say it's just not as good as season one. All right, now you can talk, Brian. I could not <laughs> agree with you more. I I felt like I felt like season one 
had a series of destinations and places it went. I felt like season two was really bogged down by being centered around the TVA and what was going on there. And whatever happened, it was like it was the hub and and everything else was a little spoke off of it. The TVA was part of season one. It dominated season two. And I don't think that was to the betterment of the story. Uh, I think the idea of this impending doom uh, didn't didn't help because the stakes somehow didn't feel that high until the last episode. Right. Um, you know, because like, Oh, it's going to blow up and, and Oh, it's unfold. And it, 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 it built a little too long. Um, and they drug it out a little too much. And I was, I hate to say this cause this is going to sound terrible. Um, but I was a little disappointed by the focus on Renslayer. Like I just didn't find it that compelling this time. Like, I don't think that like her in juxtaposition to to Loki and the TVA didn't feel like that big a juxtaposition of, you know, um, time versus chaos or however you want to frame it. Um, or order versus freedom, free will, whatever. Um, and I'll be honest with you, the stuff I liked the best was stuff that didn't happen at the TBA. Like, like the stuff that happened at the TBA, other than the, the stuff at the end that happened away from there. It's like, I, I think one of my favorite parts was like the McDonald's in the 80s. Like the, the you know, where Sylvie decides she wants to stay in the 80s. Um, and realizing, like seeing the real world that's going to be destroyed if, if that, if that timeline's pruned. Um, so I think with, when you put so much of your, so much of your stock in that one story and it's not stellar, the season isn't going to be stellar. And so I I think that I think they put too much on the TVA and I don't think it delivered the way that that the way the show delivered as a whole in season one. Yeah. Picking up on um, a, I guess, metaphor that you partially used at at the top of what you were saying about how season one went places. Yeah, it's like season one ran to different places. Season two ran on a treadmill. Yeah. And it just yeah. can pretty much stayed there. Um, and it ends up being what ends up, like I said, what ends up still making me still like the show enough. I definitely liked it enough. And I really did enjoy, I thought the, I thought I did think the final episode was, was actually very well done. And we'll probably start talking about it momentarily. But, the you 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 have these other situations going on as well, you know. You got the Jonathan Major situation, which I tend to try to put those kind of things out of my head when there's an issue with an act, a perf- actor, or performer, whoever um, that you know you try to ignore to watch something like I. But you know, 
God help me. I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like the first time I decide to sit down and watch The Usual Suspects. If if seeing Kevin Spacey is going to bug me or not, I hope not. I hope those experiences aren't ruined. And Jonathan Majors is going through some major legal issues that involve domestic abuse, and you have people who have some people who have taken back what they said, but then you have other people who have said it is true. Whatever. It's up to our court to suss that out, and we'll see, whatever. I, I'm not going to automatically assume one way or the other, because that's just the way I'm wired. But it's unfortunate, because he on this, on, this, on this series, the first season and this season, not so much the Ant-Man movie, but, <laughs> but here, he's really very good. To a point where it's it, it's it's so unfortunate that that kind of clouds things a little bit. I try to put it out. It, I, I actually am able to. I do worry about what I mean. I'm, I'm more of a DC than Marvel guy, but who cares? I do. I don't. I don't want Marvel movies to be bad. I want to enjoy a movie, and they've built so much of the upcoming storylines for the MCU around the Kang character. It's supposed to be Avengers Kang Dynasty and whatever. Um. However, they 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 might have found they I think they they might have found a way out of it if need be thanks to this series and you know which which is something I think Phil was already established already with the idea of variants to begin with. It's like well you can have a very I mean as Sylvie proves you can have a variant that doesn't look like you. Not to mention all those other Lokis in that other episode. See season one, see it, it was all there for you to get get your way out of it. And we already established this, you know, this thousands of Kang variants everywhere. That's what the TVA is actually dealing with. They even make a reference, I think, to the Ant-Man one, the Earth 616 thing, whatever. It's like, well, you know what? I think they're holding their breath and going to see what's going to happen with them. It's like, okay, we got to switch gears. We got to cast somebody else. And, you know, it's not like Marvel, the, the MCU, haven't recast characters before. They've done right. it before. They can do it again. If you can go from, you know, Terrence Howard to Don Cheadle and no one says boo, then you can probably do this too. It's Although there's a weird coincidence there, which I won't say, but you can figure it out for yourself if you've got half a brain. Um, I'm going to totally switch gears for a second, and I want to bounce it back to you again. You know what this show kind of reminds me of, just visually more so than anything else? And let me... Just say, <laughs> I've become you now, Brian. <clears throat> but season one, and especially season two, especially with TVA scenes, and it's actually it's it it's what actually makes the TVA scenes not bother me as much as they as they probably should. The design, the the, the artwork, the art design, the grand the grand design, you know, of it all. It first of all, it's gorgeous. I don't know how much money they spend on this show. It feels like they spend a lot. <laughs> I mean, a, a lot. And it looks fantastic. And it kind of reminds me kind of a little bit here and there of Legion. There's a lot that kind of makes me think of Legion. And Legion, a lot of Le and also, you know, originally from a, a, Mar a Marvel property or whatever. Um, but Legion also had some really wacky, bizarre storylines involving time and whatever, trying to follow whatever. But the the the, the, the design work and how, how things were, were in the how things were fit in the frame in certain facilities and places, it reminded me of it a lot. The color schemes, even whatever. And I love. I mean, even though Legion, they're 
took a downturn, but then came back again. Um, I still love that series. Oh, I didn't I do it with you at the end? I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was first. Yeah. We podcast about yeah, right. um, So it, and, and just it reminded me that kind of made me kind of makes kind of made me smile as I'm watching it. So not that art design should replace, you know, story and character, you know, we're, we're not talking about a Tim Burton movie here or something, but, um, like I said, I, I think the one thing that helps season two still work is those characters that were established to one season one, we can still find them appealing enough to follow through season two. Hiddleston, obvious Hiddleston's Loki is obvious. Owen Wilson's character, uh, Mobius, especially when he decides. Oh, forget that. Not when he forget when he decides to go back because that's the last episode. When we see him as a character in that universe, and what his what where he was probably plucked away from, as the guy who sells the um, what do you call it? The, the water ski? No, it's not. What do you call it? That the machine? The jet ski. Jet ski. Wow, I, I couldn't remember what a jet ski was. Wow. Uh, I, I I do wish B fifteen. I mean, we got a little bit of her and her. I she's such a good actress. I kind of wish we got some more with her. She, she was a casualty of screen time this season. Yeah, I really would have liked to have gotten more with her. Um, Sylvie. My only problem with Sylvie, other than she becomes a bit more one note this season as a result of everything, and. I look, I love the idea of her, you know, picking a specific place in time and she just wants to live a peaceful life and whatever fun. But you, you, you choose to work at McDonald's? Really? Because <laughs> I'm not saying you want to set yourself up as a billionaire or something. You know, you just want a normal, quiet life. But, but you want a minimum wage and smell like fry grease the rest of your and you're probably going to get a whole bunch of pimples and stuff. I, I, just, I just kept thinking about it. Like, I don't know if that's the life I'd pick. <laughs> that industry. I don't know if that would be the one. No, but if that's the, if you want to hide, that's a good place to hide. Yeah, all right. Okay, I guess that. You know, Why not like a tuna cannery in fucking Alaska or something? Or is that, or is that Jesse? I don't know. But... <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought B-15 was uh, I wanted more from B-15 but I, I love Mobius I mean you, you gotta love Mobius and uh, I think one of one of the uh, things we loved about season one was sort of their budding bromance uh, and, and there was less of that this season because instead of learning about each other learning each other it's more compelled by having to, to meet objectives and do things. And so we lost a little bit of that and their, their relationship, um, their relationship was, uh, I would call it the heart of this show. Um, and I think that was diminished a little in, in season two. Um, I mean, thank God Hiddleston's the lead because the dude kills it. Um, and, and, does make season two, you know, I, I can't say it's bad. It's, it's, no. but, 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 you know, in someone less capable's hands, it probably would have been. He does a tremendous amount of heavy lifting in so many ways throughout the series. And especially when you get to the finale more so than any other 
episode, quite frankly. And in, I think in a lot of ways, um, the final episode, the, the finale, uh, is, an, is, is almost a, a bit of a saving grace for the show. Um, Absolutely. Because even though I just, I've, I've described a lot of things as, you know, frantic pace, frenetic pace, whatever. And that certainly is a part of this final episode, but it, but the way it's deployed and how it makes sense where they do, you know, either it's a, a groundhog day, like uh repeating of actions to, to come up with a solution, even if it's going to take them centuries to learn something. And well, by the way, when they establish that and then the car saying, you know, a century later, whatever is amazing. Yeah. And also maybe, maybe going, wait a minute. I wonder how many times he really did that in uh, groundhog day. Cause I never really thought about it. Did he, did he spend like a, a year, 10 years, 20 years? Uh, did he spend a century? Anyway. Um, like learning all about like, what is it? You know, all the thing about quantum physics and all the other stuff. It's, Fucking fantastic, but but I love the conceit of going back to moments that we had seen in, in other episodes, and there's two major ones th- that happen, and I'm you know there's there's number one him going back to the moment where he has the the fight with Sylvie and she eventually you know boots him out and kills uh, he who remains. Um, Oh, by the way, kind of love the fact that they stuck with the he who remains throughout the entire. They never referred to him as who we all know who he is, but they never referred to him that way. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, you know? <laughs> so it's like he's Voldemort. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly where I was going with that. Except, but eventually they start saying Voldemort. They <laughs> like, no, just to say his fucking name right here. So anyway, um, but and I think the moment that kind of really clicked for me in that scene when they were going through it over and over was when uh, I'll just say he who remains so stupid when he who remains kind of and has the conversation with Loki. Cause some of it harkens back to, well, we remember last year's finale. There was a pretty much a one-sided conversation, whatever here. There's a bit more of a back and forth and it's, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating between probably the two strongest, performers on the show at this point. I, I take nothing away from Owen Wilson, but you know what I mean, as far as, you know, just presence and whatever. Gravitas. Uh, and, and gravitas, one of my favorite words. Um, and I, I just love it because we're, we're pl- and then we're playing with this whole idea initially where, where the whole thing is coming down to, wait, and part of me is like, so this whole thing, if you just kill her, this doesn't happen or not. It seems like that's where, that's where he's being pushed to and he won't do it. And she, then he has that moment where he sees her and he's, he's able to stop everything. Cause he's able to control the slipping, whatever. And she doesn't give him the out. She doesn't, she isn't will. She didn't say, yeah, you should kill me to save everything. Cause she, and maybe that's, it's funny. Cause that almost goes to a problem we had with the show until this episode, maybe, or the last one or two was, we didn't feel the stakes. We kept being told them, but they never, we, we didn't really feel them until we see like everything just, I, the, oh, by the way, the, the, con, the visual conceit of things unraveling is gorgeous. I loved how they did that. You know, it was, you know, and, and it's also, it's interesting because it also, it, it kind of mirrored how they kept killing uh, Victor Timely. By the way, 
I love the fact the character's name is Timely. Not because of time, because the originally Marvel Comics was Timely Comics back in back in the day. So I think that's kind of funny uh, and deliberate, of course. But when they make him kind of come apart, it's the same kind of visual effect, kind of, which is very interesting. Again, I'm going back to the visuals, but the visuals are just gorgeous. Um, but, but to touch on what you're saying, so I don't forget, like they didn't spend the time to hook us emotionally, but what makes it work is Hiddleston's acting there yes. that, that you're not plugged into her story, but you're plugged into him enough that, that you feel something. Right, 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 right. And I, so you have that scene, which is going back to essentially going back to the final episode of season one and then the other important one I thought was him re-entering, I won't say re-entering the body, it's not exactly, or taking the place of himself. And he goes back to the very first episode, the scene with uh, with Mobius when they're doing the, the little interview thing where he's the question and answer session, except now Loki knows everything. He knows what, what what's going to proceed, what's going to happen, and kind of beats him to it, whatever. And they get into a real conversation. And he's doing it with a character who has not yet bonded with him the way Mobius does throughout that season and going into this season. And that's, I think, and, and obviously, and that's a really important scene because I think that's where he realizes everything and what he has to, where this is really has to go and what he really has to do. And that's when you realize when you start to remembering what the title of the episode is and you go back in time, you see what the title of another episode was and you go back in time, you see what he said when he came, you know, when he showed up on earth from the, in the Avenger first Avengers movie, it keeps coming down to glorious purpose, glorious purpose, glorious purpose. And we finally discover, he finally discovers truly what his glorious purpose is. And I, I thought that that's that stroke of virtual brilliance made me, give the benefit of doubt for the rest of the season because it, it's the opposite of, I don't remember what other show we were talking about recently on one of the podcasts where um, I was less than thrilled with the final episode, but I thought the rest of the season was so good. I was able to forgive it. Um, I think with this, I liked the final episode so much. I was, it, it helped me to forgive the issues I had with the rest of the season. I think that watching the final episode made me not regret spending the time with it in any way. And if there's one thing that this show should be said about this show, and you and I and Dan have all talked about this, and I think it may have been a somewhat controversial opinion at the time, but <laughs> the sort of the first wave of Marvel shows that came out were not of the quality we liked or expected and loki stood out among those shows and i mean i think rose above most of the other shows without a doubt and this ending was fitting of a show of that quality Uh, and so I, i i think from the actors they got uh from the the ending that it ended with, uh, Loki can hold his head up high in the Marvel universe. Absolutely, 
I, I agree. I mean, I, I I thought for me the Marvel shows. I, I thought they, I thought the first two were strong because it was WandaVision and uh, Loki, and then from that point on, kind of not so much. I hated the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I thought it was awful. What if was underwhelming? And I was all for it because I loved the idea. And I didn't realize, oh, wait, they're going to be, they're going to consign this or confine this to only the characters that we've met really in the Marvel, which we, oh, God damn it. And then you had, then it was kind of became just hit or miss. I mean, you know, there's, I mean, Hawkeye was a lot of fun. So we kind of like that. Definitely. You know, Moon Knight was pretty good. You know, was it, I, I don't, I don't think it was as great as maybe we thought it was initially. It's like, no, it's good. It's not great. It's good. But, there's been a lot of talk uh, that there's a fear that Disney has that maybe they've watered down the uh, the product a bit by the, the by so many of these Marvel TV shows, you know, because you know you have people who thought, you know because then all of a sudden you had issues where people are now coming down on them, you know, it seems like you know every every dude every dude in a every dude living in a flyover state, unlike except for you, like hated She-Hulk or something, or or would be unwilling to watch the Ms. Marvel or something like that, because, oh, you know, Marvel's all woke now. Ah, shut up, you idiots. Um, it's just excessive. But this, I'm glad, that I don't foresee there be, it, it, there's no way there's going to be a, this has to be the end of the series. There, there can't be a third season of this. I think that's it. I, I would say that, that it's done. That's got to and- be done. And I was I was pleased to see that most of the reaction uh, by fans and by critics, media critics, almost universally praised this episode. Oh. I mean, I think it's, you know, if you did a rating of all the episodes, this would probably be right at the top for what people thought quality was. Oh, cool. I've not even uh, I've not really looked much at that. I was I kept reading articles that were just more about. Hiddleston talking about it more than anything else. But it is funny because he's someone who always wants to be on a throne and he does ascend to a, a totally different kind of a throne. There is a certain sacrifice there. Um, there's, there's also something beautifully surreal about the whole thing that he's, he's depicted as literally holding all these hundreds of threads of whatever. The, the thing to wonder about, I would say, um, is how, if and how that impacts the MCU moving forward. Do we see him again? And I, you could go either way on it. If this is the last moment we see of Loki, that works. But so much, especially since they've been touching on the multiverse and all that, which this is clearly part of, uh, with the threads and all, how do you not use him again? So it's, it's going to be interesting. Because there's it that will. part, you know, you kind of want him to see Thor again, you know, because like, hey, guess what? Your brother turned out, might might have turned out to be as big a hero as you were. Who who saw that one coming? Heroes, heroes, heroes. We should talk about some other heroes or so-called heroes. We should. Because it's been a while. So our final show for the evening for the podcast for a lot of us. 
Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol. We're finally going to get to Doom Patrol <laughs> right when it's over. So perfect timing. Doom Patrol. Oh, I've been mentioning creators. This was, in case anyone didn't know, and I'm sure none of you did because I didn't even know. Uh, the creator behind the TV show, his name is Jeremy Carver. Mainly known for shows like Supernatural, producer on that, Being Human, stuff like that. But this kind of is this is big baby here. Okay, here's the thing: as as Brian, as you know, and as anyone who listens listen to our podcast about Doom Patrol already knows as well, I love this show. Most. A lot of that love was really centered around the first season more so than anything else. Because I think the first season is so good. It's, it's, it's so funny. It's so creative. It's so crazy. It touches on so many things. It's so memorable. It's got such a great antagonist who, uh, so good. So good. So good. So good. That didn't mean I didn't like seasons two and three. I did. Um, I just didn't like them as much, but that's okay. It's like with any show. You don't have to like every season as much as the other one. That, it's nice when shows build from season to season, as we know some many great shows actually get better from season to season. Not all do. Um, and as we went from seasons, from season one to two to three, and then we get to season four, like, I think one of my issues that I never really got the chance to really talk about, or maybe I might have talked about a bit when we covered season three, because that was like a million years ago. I did think the show lost a little something when they basically got rid of the chief character, because I, I felt like you needed that character there. It just, for me, I felt, not just because I know about the, because you know what? I've read a lot of old Doom Patrol comics. I've read, I've read all the ones from the 60s. But the one, but all the ones from the late '80s through the '90s, which the show is touches on an awful lot. I've not. Guess what? I've read very few of those. I'm aware of them. I've been told about them. You know, it costs too much to buy the trade paperbacks. I'm like, I'm, they're out of print. You can't. I was like, no. Oh well, so much for that. Um, but in my world, I need a chief character. Not having the chief. With Doom Patrol, to me, is like not having Professor X with the X Men. You can't. I I think because that's who Professor X is a ripoff of in the first place. By the way, just had to say that one more fucking time. Fuck you, X Men. Um, <laughs> you Witherspoons. So that <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying that. I really like Reese Witherspoon. It's very weird. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, but um, so that was a problem. That bothered me throughout from once they got rid of him from that point on. Kind of like, really? You're not going to bring him? I kept thinking, oh, they, but they'll bring him back. It's a comic book universe. Nobody stays dead. And then I was like, oh, I guess he's going to stay dead. <laughs> you know, until, you know, your next to last episode where we'll get him in a bunch of cool fucking time traveling flashbacky kind of moments, whatever. That hurt the show. I don't think any of us, and even when he was still on, did any of us really love the storyline with his, you know, forever daughter? No. No. It was, I appreciated the creativity of it and the concept of it. And, you know, I want to give the, the, the actress all the credit in the world for what she does. But I did feel it was taking up a lot of time that I wasn't, I, I wasn't as kind of, I didn't find it quite as compelling as they probably thought it should have been. 
It wore thin. And so then we get through season one, season two. Season three, there's a lot of fun in season three, which kind of makes up for the chief not being there. I mean, dude, you bring in for an old school Doom Patrol guy, you just you just bring in you know Monsieur Malan the brain, you already got me. You got me. You got me. I mean and of course in having um Oh gosh, what is her name again? Michelle Gomez coming back, co- coming into the play as uh, Madame Rouge. Uh, love that actress. She's a lot of fun too. She was a good add to the mix, whatever. But it was funny, and I started to think about this during season three. And I don't remember if I ever said it during our podcast. Maybe I was trying to be nicey nice, whatever. But I felt it during that season, and more so during season four. When almost by bringing in this new character, it kind of reminded me how some of these characters are kind of just running through the same paces a bit more often than I like. Like they and and I and I feel the show even became aware of it. So I'll give the I want to give the show credit for that. That they they're self aware enough to like okay like in one of the last episodes or maybe it was the very last episode, they mock Larry for the fact that he's just a whiny wet blanket all the time. Yep. Which he is. Right. And it's it's not even, I'm not even going to say it's depressing. It's just like, uh, it's just, it's it's the same thing over and over. I, I, I look forward to the moments where it's a wacky episode where suddenly he's Matthew Boner, Bomer again. It's just, because at least that'll be something different. And it's just, you know, this, you know, you know whiny guy talk, who keeps going on about the little electric, electric baby, you know, that's floating in inside him or not. I don't know. So, <laughs> just, it's just, like, you know, and it, and it starts, you know, and, and then you start, and then and you, you pull back. It's like going, you know, they, they kind of do that with these, you know, Reed is kind of doing the same thing over and over. You know, Cliff is, a, oh, I love the character, but starts, it's, you know, Jane and whatever, at least Cyborg tried to do something, tried to get rid of the, but that was, a, I thought that was a mistake because, Without him being a superhero and not being a cyborg, you realize, oh, you know what else you're not now? Interesting. And that I think that went on way too long also. I think that was to the detriment of the show. And maybe, and I don't know, I, I mean, I don't know if it was a pain in the ass for the actor to have that that stuff on. Maybe they want to give a break. Maybe it was a cost issue. Maybe doing that, even though I feel if it's already been made, it shouldn't cost you more per episode. But who knows? I don't know how budgets work in Hollywood. I heard. I hear it's crazy. Um, so the point I'm actually get, I'm, I'm actually itching towards making here is for someone who's a big Doom Patrol fan, and I'm not okay. I'm not about to dump on season four. There's this good stuff here, but I'm okay with Doom Patrol ending. I felt as I was watching season four, I just got sick. You know. There's things I wish they, and this is before we got to the last few episodes, but I really liked the last few episodes a lot. But because of the things I mentioned, characters still kind of run a bit running in place and not really progressing. Characters that are supposed to, no, I know they mock the idea of being superheroes, but and I don't want to make this like about a, a special effect thing or an action sequence thing. But it seems so 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 fucking rare that they did anything that was really superhero-y. I mean, just did anything, which I felt they did a lot more in season one than they did in the next two seasons. And maybe I'm just mis- not remembering correctly, but it felt that way to me. No, I think you're right. And I, I, 
how do I say this? Um, this was a show running out of gas, um, maybe running out of money. Maybe, I, you know, yeah, we don't know. I suspect uh, it was. I suspect it was. I, I mean, it was always weird and too weird to be broad, too weird to be broadly popular. Um, so I suspect, you know, it was running on creative fumes and maybe on economic fumes. Um, I like the characters, but, uh, you know, I started getting they started hitting the same notes. And, and I don't want to say I get tired of them. The best way I can explain it is this. Um, whenever I would see like continue watching in my queue, I used to like hurry to watch the next episode. Like the next episode on this, like this season could sit like for a little while before I hit play. Um, I wasn't that excited to watch it. I didn't dread it. I didn't hate it. And I wasn't like, Oh, I don't want to watch that. But there wasn't a sense of excitement I think back to past seasons. I mean, you know, Danny the Street, all these wonderful things, uh, Flex Mentalo. You know, we had these sort of quirky, zany, wild things that were funny, harkened back to the comics and, and did callbacks. And I felt like this season sort of uh, sort of just like they, they had a, a VFX where butt they could use. And they just plugged it in everywhere. And and I, I I thought it was a joke played too many times. And by the end, I was okay with it ending. I thought the finale was okay. Um, I, you know, the Rita death and the ghost thing, I thought was like the idea of her ghost saying it's okay. Like, I'm okay with this. I thought it was okay. Um, you know, I didn't really care about Larry, um, uh, really, you know, Jane and Cliff, I cared more about, but, and, and I'll give them credit for this. They did set up Cliff starting to malfunction. Um, they, they did set that up. The thing that I think was handled best as far as the ending and, and how the end of the show was surprise maybe almost surprisingly was the cliff thing and right yeah they they knew that they they definitely built that into the show and throughout these episodes you know with the we be the parkinson's and then then everything else um and probably the most effective thing that they pulled off in the episode the final episode maybe maybe the season even perhaps uh or one of the most effective things i should say i don't want to shortchange one or two things that just occurred to me the entire sequence that plays out with the car, which leads to the end of the series. And we, and it's interesting because it's kind of, in a weird way, it's almost like kind of a little bit of a rem- uh, take on things that we've seen like in like Six Feet Under or something like that. Where, but we see an entire life play out as the life of the, of the, of the grandson. And the gift he gets is, he, he gets to see what hit him grow up because he's not going to, he's, he's about to die. And isn't it, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't the closing shot of the show of his eyes going out and it's Cliff dying? And that's, is that, that not the final shot of the show? I, I think that might be. I think it is. 
I made a joke with you. I don't think I did it on, or I don't remember if I did it on the podcast or not. Excuse me. Sorry for the sniffles. Um, that in the original comic, the one from the Silver Age in the 60s, and I think it ended in the late 60s and early 70s, actually. Uh, one of the odd, crazy things that that comic did was by the final, uh, final issue, eh, they kill off the Doom Patrol. They kill them. Now, right. They do get brought back later on because it's comic books, and unless your name is Uncle Ben or some or, or one or two others, you you don't get to come back to life. Um, and we joked about you know, but and they actually, I think they even try to stick a finger in the eye of that idea because we already had him killed, and they went and they, and they reference it again late in this season, you know, about going to hell and whatever, and they were going to deal with Rita, whatever, but. They kind of, they kind of do that to us. They, they kind of kill half of them, <laughs> you know. They do. They kill Rita. They kill Cliff. You know, they, kill they the, do. They, they send Larry into space. Larry's in space, so he might as well be dead. And, and what's his name's in space and me being happy? But you know what? Jane was not part of the original Doom Patrol from the comic, so she that doesn't count for her. You know, they didn't they didn't bring in the Beast Boy on this because he was busy on the other show. Uh, they. Had, which they, they decided to replace him with a different Titan. Very strange when I think about it that way. Anyway. Um, and I thought that was like, honestly, that's like one of the most effective things I thought they, they did in this season, even. One of the problems with the season is also, look, there, the only, I feel the only reason that I can think, conceive of why they would not have brought back Mr. Nobody from season one was that Alan Tudyk was just simply He's got a lot of irons in the fire. Maybe he just wasn't going to be available to commit to doing this. You know, he's doing, you know, everything from voice. I mean, we know he's doing voices on Harley Quinn, but I'm pretty sure voice acting wouldn't be an excuse because that, that doesn't take up that much of your time. <laughs> because I felt a character that was such a great antagonist in season one, who you even used to narrate a couple episodes, in which I really wanted them to bring that back. That was so much fun. And they kind of, they never did it again. And I kept thinking, oh, that was one of the best things about this show. It was so good. And you, and you, I see the creators, you know, Miss the dude I mentioned at the beginning, you actually brought in characters and things that have, if you're going by the comic books, are actually tied to Mr. Nobody. There's a lot of stuff happened in season three that Mr. Nobody's actually connected to, but they decided, nah, not here. Again, maybe he's not available, but damn, he was such a good... I, I, I thought it, it really was hurt by not bringing someone like that, not having the chief on. You go and get use the character Immortus. Originally, it was a general Immortus, whatever. Look, I don't care how you choose to depict him. I'm not. It, this, it, it ain't. It ain't the Joker or Lex Luthor. You know, you can you can have some fun with it. But I'm sorry. After a while, I got really tired of the whole Isabel Feathers character, and that, and she's you know the the sweet perky you know wannabe ingenue who occasionally or whatever. He's like, yeah, okay, sure. And then, yeah, as you point out, the return of the butts thing, which was a great, insane gag, you know, and I don't, I won't mind, I don't, you know what? I'll say this though. I don't mind seeing the butts do a musical number. (laughs) That, that will always have a strange appeal because it's just so, okay, we're going to go here again. All right. I don't mind that. All right. But overall, I was just like, oh, I thought, 
But that's that's the whole point. Like like in that context, it's perfect. But to carry a major arc of the show, it's right. it it it's you know it doesn't have the legs. Well, <laughs> well I they, guess it doesn't have the arms. <laughs> but uh, it does have the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. No arms. That's right. So, I mean, look, I got to be honest. I'm I'm actually seeing how it all turned out. Again, I didn't hate the season. There's a lot of stuff I like in it. But I I share the same sentiment that you did. If I – there were times I watched – I mean, they were released on Thursdays, right? There were definitely times I watched it on Thursdays. There were also definitely times I didn't watch it until the following week. And I believe I, I believe I forgot, and I had to watch like back to back episodes, like I think a week ago or something like that. That never happened before, and that right. and that's one of those things that kind of tells you something. You know, it's I don't I don't I don't have to watch it. It was like, uh, you know, it's it it so it stopped feeling like must see to me. It felt like I mean, it's still better quality than like seeing watching the old CW superhero shows, of course. And right. there's still some, there's still funny stuff and some fun, fun writing, whatever. Um, there were meaningful things that happened. Hey, uh, Jane having the epiphany and what, with all of her, per, her personas and that she was, you know, basically ra- raped by her, you know, they, they, they all, they, they were and they became one person housing all the multitude. There, I thought that was very moving and worked really well. Oh yeah, I don't know how I felt about the the comic book space girl character who came to life and then suddenly has not such as a suddenly, but yeah, maybe suddenly ends up with the relationship with Jane. I felt that just was more in service of Jane having someone else in her life, which she clearly never had. Right. But did I really care about that character? It just felt like that was just a stand-in character. Uh, that was kind of a blank slate. And I felt like I'd seen blank slates already on the show. Fle- they kind of did Flex Mentalo as a, something of a blank slate, slate to a certain extent, you know. Um, I did I did love the flashbacks with the Chief. I thought that was great. Seeing Willoughby again yeah. is always fun. Love that. The problem with seeing the Chief again in all those different ways, it reminded me why that the show was missing this character. And it's like, oh yeah, the show really needed this character because did an episode go by where they don't reference him? I felt like every episode at one, at least once, if not multiple times, the chief is referenced. It's like, yeah, you know what's missing the chief and who knows? Right. It, and like a drill sergeant, he, if they didn't have an antagonist, he was a certain degree an antagonist to the team. Right, right, right. And a compelling one for what he'd done to them. Which is kind of one of the reasons I thought they should keep use. They should have kept them alive because that would have been an interesting kind of thing to keep moving forward with. And, you know, maybe right. they, you know this one chooses to leave, and then you try to get him back, and then all that kind of trying to keep everyone trying to like trying to wrangle cats, whatever. I thought there was potential there. Again, there could be other reasons. We don't know. I don't know if Timothy Dalton had other stuff going on. That's also possible. Timothy Dalton might maybe maybe they didn't want to pay Timothy Dalton more because you know you can pay you can get keep someone like Brendan Fraser or Matthew Barber show because they're mostly doing voice acting. You know, it's they might appear on the show once or twice a season, but that's that's not that much work involved for them. 
Dalton has to be there. Probably means Dalton's got to get paid for that. And maybe at this point, if there's budget issues, like, uh, uh, Mr. Bond for two minutes wants more money, then, okay, we're not going to pay you. And, you know, then, then the show loses something as a result of that. At least that's how right. I felt. Oh, I am getting so sniffly. I don't know what's happened to my nose all of a sudden. All right. So, yeah, all in all, I mean, look. I'm glad, I hate saying, like, I'm glad it's over. It really sounds weird. It it needed to end. You put it perfectly. It it was running on fumes at best at this point. And I think in light of everything going on with DC and their, both their movie and TV properties, maybe it just makes sense to just, and maybe that's also why I think there wasn't money for it either, by the way. Right. Um, it's like, just like they just said, you know, the upcoming, uh, which was already cut down to just X number of episodes and their budget slashed already. Superman Lois just got canceled. I think they're just trying to make sure, okay, let's just make sure everything's chopped down so everything can just start anew. Um, what that means, I mean, and supposedly one of these days, one of these years, Peacemaker will come back, but I don't know when James Gunn will ever have time for it because he's making the next Superman movie, which doesn't come out the summer of 2025. So by the time we get to Peacemaker season two, it'd be like, no, maybe we can't do this anymore because it doesn't make any sense in the context of the DC uh, movie universe, whatever, whatever the hell they're going to call it this time around. I don't know. But we'll always have season one. So, and that's all. Okay. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, unless, unless there's anything else you want to say about Doom Patrol, I'm gonna start to draw the curtain before I nope. do snot up the uh, microphone here. Draw the curtain. So, just so everyone knows, within a week or so, Fargo comes back, and that means we'll be back to do a podcast about Fargo. So there you go, Fargo season five. We'll be podcasting about it. It's a, it's, it's a thing we do. And, you know, we we got John Hamm. There's other people on the season too. I don't care. It's John Hamm. That's, that's why we're doing it. You know, it goes back to he was part of the reason why there's an STVD podcast in the first place. So because you know, Mad Men, whatever. But beyond that, if you enjoyed this podcast, guess what? You'll enjoy hanging out on our Facebook page, Serious TV Drama Podcast page. Like the page, join the page, join the conversation, all that shit. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Now you can find. Well, you're you're already listening to us. I I don't know why podcasts tell you where you can find them, and you've already listened to them. Why would you tell? I don't know. But you can go. You can find us on pretty much most, if not all, podcast platforms. But especially if you look us up on Podbean.com, gotta wipe my nose. Where you can access all. Let me do the math now. Three hundred (laughs) ninety-one. Wow, I'm gonna be on a game show one day. Three hundred ninety-one of our episodes, and as I like to say, because it doesn't change, but you never know. Use Apple Podcast? Hey, rate and review us there, because I just like seeing numbers get higher. You can find us on Instagram. Serious TV Drama is how you find us there, is one word. You can find us on what I like to call X Twitter. You know, not, not to be confused with the stupid X-Men. Uh, I say that, and yet I'm, I'm looking forward to whatever they do, the X-Men movies, whatever. At STVD Podcast. SSTVD, as I always say, Serious TV Drama. Okay. Brian, thank you for being a trooper. And joining me once again for this great conversation. Really enjoyed it, and uh, glad I got to spend time with you and and Jamie for an episode and a and a half. So, uh, <laughs> thanks for having me. Always.
having you and Jamie here is probably half the reason I do the damn podcast in the first place because no money in it. And by the way, I've looked. There's no money in it. <laughs> I've checked. I've done the research. No. But, uh, yeah. So, I ended the last podcast <laughs> with a little bit of poetry. Of course, I wasn't... Uh, I, my nose didn't start running at the end of that podcast, so I don't know if I want to change my plan right now. But I'll tell you, I, I read somewhere. I read somewheres. I read somewheres that before... Why am I talking like that? But before the composer... <laughs> before the composer for Loki... Season two, uh, her name is Natalie Holt, had commenced her work on scoring the series. The star of the series, Tom Hiddleston, he gave her a book of poetry, a book that had that had had inspired him while he was working on season two. This book was Four Quartets by T. S. Eliot. There is like a wide variance of themes throughout throughout it, you know, but it, it touches on things like time, the search for meaning of life, and. God knows what else. Apparently, in many ways, it mirrors the overall storyline or arc for Loki. So, heck, if I can end the, <laughs> the previous podcast with the reading of the last few lines of a poem by Poe, why not go back to the final words of T.S. Eliot's Four Quart Quartets? Uh, did I say Four Quarters before? I meant Four Quartets. Uh, oh, you said Four Quartets. Oh, I did say it right. What do you know? And the, specifically, uh, it's part two, East Coker, Coca. All right, so I can't use that voice for doing TSL. That'd be weird. So I'll give it one more shot. Yeah, because you know, whenever you're about to do poetry, you have to do a big nasal sniffle first. <laughs> so, you know. so I'm bringing back the ghost of Dan. Because if you listen to our early podcast, he was sniffling the whole time, and it was like driving me crazy. It's like he had like post nasal drip. People probably thought he was doing coke on the podcast, which he clearly wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I saved my best joke on the podcast for the end. My, <laughs> I should put that in the, the, the notes. By the way, there's a really funny joke that one person won't like at the end of this podcast. <laughs> Don't tell them. All right. Let me, let me do this one more time. All right. That was Mike and Line of Coke right there. All right. Let's go. Love is most nearly itself when here and now cease to matter. Old men ought to be explorers here or there does not matter. We must be still, and still moving, into another intensity. For a further union, a deeper communion, through the dark cold and the empty desolation. The wave cry, the wind cry, the vast waters of the petrel and the porpoise. In my end is my beginning. And I think it's that last line which probably clicked it for uh, Mr. Hiddleston and it clicks yep. it for this podcast as well. Thank you once again, Brian, and thank you guys for listening out there. Good night. Good night. And this is where Jamie will say, good night, but I would already cut her off. Good night. Okay. <laughs> good night, everybody. Good night.